Greetings, family. Welcome to your week with St. Luke's. You're here with all four of your pastors as we enter the Advent season and as we go through the Gospels and talk about the birth narratives. Uh, I am hilarious, apparently. Um, as you can see, you are. As you can see by looking at it's going so well, Pastor Jim, Jack, well. and Melissa. But this week, we're looking at the Gospel of Matthew and to just kind of orient us in what we've learned about it throughout the year. Um, so first of all, we know that Matthew was written to a distinctly Jewish audience. And uh, what specific, what's specifically unique about that is it wasn't just written to a Jewish audience, but devoted Jews, right? Uh, and so it was written as, uh, it was written as an argument or as a, a plea to why they should see Jesus as the fulfillment of the promise uh, of a Messiah. And it was specifically written between 70 or really 80 and 90 AD, possibly all the way to 110 AD. And one of the ways that we see uh, uh, the argument for Jesus being the fulfillment of a promise uh, of the promise of a Messiah is that it begins with a genealogy that connects Jesus to uh, important Jewish figures like Abraham and David and Solomon. But what's also interesting is included in uh, that list of important men to Hebrew tradition, we find three women. Uh, we find uh, we find uh, Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba, two of which, or th all three of which, had interesting reputations, which we'll dig into uh, later. Yeah, and you know, like the book that we're reading right with this uh, points out that you know last week Mark begins with. Uh, with John the Baptist preparing the way, um, but but this week Matthew begins with this kind of long genealogy that that's that's doing something different, and I, I wonder what for y'all what what that's doing um, for us in this time as we're stepping further into Advent. Well, first you know? I want to say, and I always like to say this with Matthew is everybody skips over the genealogy because you don't want to read all the names right. and. And you don't know how to pronounce them all, and that's okay. We don't necessarily know how to pronounce them all, and that's okay. But it's it's important that when we think about Matthew's birth narrative, we don't forget this genealogy. We want to skip on to the parts that make more sense, that sound more like Christmas. But this is part of the birth narrative, that his, his actual birth, like the, the physical birth and the stories around that birth, for Matthew have to be connected to all of the people that came before that. So I just like, I think that that is a huge piece of this, that Matthew doesn't start with the story and then says, and he was the son of all of these people. First, all of these people came. And because all this, this whole story and particularly these women, <laughs> um, Came and the and the fourth woman in the the list is Mary, right? So you've got all of these women who are are named uh, before we ever get into birth story as we usually want it to be. So mm -hmm. I'd ask mm -hmm. Melissa, how does that live into the book that we're looking at together, the Four Christmas Houses? How does how does that tie into how this house, the house of, or Matthew's house, is depicted in the book? So in the book, this, this is your like picture perfect Christmas magazine house in some ways, but also it's the house that has all of the family photos. It's the house that has 
every um, every ornament, every macaroni ornament um, among the perfect white lights, <laughs> um, among you know the 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 well designed you know baubles. There's every cardboard and construction paper and macaroni ornament that the kids have done because that that history, that that tradition, you've got things that don't match in places because it's the it's the thing that we've always done. It's the the thing that that my family came up with three generations ago and we still we don't know why we make this, you know, particular side dish at Christmas, but we do because that was grandma's side dish and no one eats it because no one likes it, but we make it. Like those, you know, it's it's why fruitcake still exists. Um, but this, you know, the 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 way it describes it, it says um, everywhere you look, there are family photos and bookcases on tables, even on top of the piano. Um, as far as the eye can see, there are pictures of family members, some smiling, some sad, and some faces that carry the mark of life's struggles. Um, and so, I, I think when we when we look at Matthew's gospel um, leading up to Christmas is that this this only this this only happens because of what came before it um, that you can't separate this moment from from everything that came before we we it's been a long time coming um to to get to this point so it's kind of like you got to go back to go forward mm-hmm. you have to set the foundation of all these things have happened. And yep. this new piece to the story is the continuation of everything you've always known and believed. Where, where Mark was like, what came before doesn't even matter. What came now doesn't even matter. It's right. what's it, it's it was all future focused. Matthew, right. I feel like, is filling in the gap in some ways. It's, right. it's one of the beautiful things about having four gospels. Matthew fills in the backstory. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we have How all we got of- here. If you all all of these movies, you know, series are doing prequels, and and this is this is the prequel. You've got the prequel at the very beginning because Matthew goes, ah, I know, I know you saw what the hero did there, but let's talk about where the hero came from, right? right. Mm-hmm. And that he's intricately tied to your history, right? Um, yeah, he's he's the the Jesus we meet is that fulfillment, that perfect. Jew, but also, you know, there's all these allusions to, to Moses and, you know, mountains and, you know, everything Jesus does is like the, the next understanding of Moses did this for you to, to make you a people. And now Jesus Mm -hmm. is going to do this for the world to make us a people, so to speak. Right. Yeah. If you fulfillment, this fulfillment equation, that goes in. So we see Jesus doing things and someone says, oh, yes, just like the prophecy. Um, so we see right. Jesus That's being was- looked at not only as the descendant of these important Hebrew figures, but also as the fulfillment to prophecies that are supposed to be important to the Hebrew people. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was going to add on to that. Like, if you know the Hebrew Bible, hearing this, reading this, there's a whole lot of light bulbs, right? Everything's connecting. Um, and so that's why one of the reasons why we say it's it's so very for a Jewish population because if you know you hear a Bible, you see what's happening here. There's direct lines. So I, don't, I would ask in, in uh, alignment with our devotion in uh, the four Christmas houses when we talk about Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba, what does the inclusion of these women in Matthew's genealogy point to? Like, what might it infer about what Matthew is trying to communicate about them and and ultimately about Jesus? So, like, you mean, can I go, we want me to go first or? 
Yeah, go first. Well, so I I just spent like four weeks immersed in uh, in the resurrection accounts and and um, for the last sermon series and in the Bible study, I I said about Matthew, I'm like, y'all, Matthew is a feminist as I'm reading this resurrection account and now going back and reading the the birth narratives. These the it's like, oh, he's he's still highlighting the importance and value of of women. So like in the resurrection, women are the first not only to proclaim that Jesus is alive, but also to proclaim the re- the reconciliation of Jesus, not only the gospel, but the gospel does, right? Mm-hmm. And then here in these birth narratives, for me, like he, he's not only lifting up women who are not lifted up in, in, this, in this culture, in this climate, um, lifting them up, but also like they're women who are on the outside of the community. And so... It's a it's a very he's beginning this gospel by saying, hey, we're reaching back to something and also saying, and it's open. What we're reaching back to what Jesus is doing here in this is is for all um, all people, including women who are not valued as much and including people who are not part of the community. It's it's expansive for me. Well, and it's interesting because because we talked about so. So we've missed some names. Mm hmm. First of all, but it's interesting because we originally said, so Mary is listed and it says Mary, that's when we get into the birth part. The birth part is that Mary has been, you know, pregnant by the Holy Spirit, which who's going to believe that. Mm -hmm. And so, so, so God sends an angel to Joseph to explain it. And so that Joseph knows that this woman can be believed. And, and it's interesting because we talked about, you know, the harm that could have been done to her Mm -hmm. because of the patriarchal system. And, mm-hmm. and so we, we kind of, well, I'll let Jeremy say what he said about that, mm-hmm. but so, so what did you say? First of all, Jeremy, say what you said. Essentially, um, we have this cultural movement that goes under just the words, believe women, right? So right. believe women about uh, their experiences in the world, believe women around uh, their experiences with men in the world, right? Um, under a patriarchal system. And this gives us biblical precedent for exactly that. Cause here we have Mary um, under, under truly the threat of death. Uh, had she not been believed, right? Uh, Because she was betrothed to Joseph. So we have a biblical president to believe a woman about truly about her sexual history. Um, Mm -hmm. And we have to ask people who literally read the Bible, as students of the Bible, as lovers of the Bible and the God that it bears witness to, uh, we have to ask ourselves how that influences our faith and how we move through the world as Christians. And And it points to believing women yeah. So it's interesting because when after you said that, I went back and opened up the genealogy. Mm-hmm. The women who are mentioned are women who were harmed by the patriarchal system. Mm-hmm. So you have Ruth, who is an outsider, who went to, to protect Naomi into Naomi's land. And Naomi knew, knew that the only way for their ultimate protection was for her to be married to Boaz. Mm-hmm. For her to give herself to Boaz. You back up. It doesn't name Bathsheba. It says the wife of Uriah, mm. which therefore shows the, 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 that David took this woman and had her husband killed in order to bear this son, Solomon. Like, like mm. it's almost like the, the patriarchal harm is mentioned. And then it goes back to Rahab, Boaz by Rahab, you know, which we understand who Rahab was. Rahab was a, 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 a person who was 
I don't know what the word is for that we are allowed to use today. She, she ran, she ran a brothel. She ran a brothel because that was <laughs> the only way that she as a single woman could do it. And then it goes back. We forgot Tamar. Tamar. Yep. It says, it says, and Judah, the father of Perez and Zara by Tamar, mm-hmm. which that didn't happen out of a mutual relationship. Correct. Am I right? Right. right. Yes. And so it's yes. so it's so interesting that here you go, like the, it's not just women. It's not just women. It's women who, you know, were of ill repute or blah, 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 that we've used over the years, but it's really women who were harmed by the patriarchy. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Cast aside, set aside. And yet they're here. Which is why we say don't skip the genealogy because Mm -hmm. this is already telling you something about what Jesus is about to do. Right. Right. Because if it's so important that we name where Jesus has come from, then we need to pay attention to who these people are and particularly these, these surprising people to be named, which would be the women. And surprising stories to tell. Mm -hmm. That good and and glorification and redemption can come out of these horrifically violent today. We would see these oppressive acts and Jesus is born out of that. And then the rest of Matthew is Jesus continually lifting up the oppressed and bringing in the outsiders and giving them voice and power. Mm -hmm. Even beginning, Mm -hmm. even the birth story with with the bringing of the Magi who were, who were outside Gentiles. It does. It sets up this Jesus was born of this kind of garbage in the world. And guess what Jesus God can do with that. Right. Yeah. This is further seen in the fact that even though it's a genealogy written in a book specifically to loyal, devoted, lifelong, uh, generation after generation, uh, uh, Jewish folks, Hebrew folks, we have the inclusion of these women, most of whom are not Jewish, most of whom right. are not Hebrew, right. most of whom are not from Israel, right? Right, right. Um, yeah, and, and and yeah, never mind, I lost it. But, well, yeah, in genealogies, don't in typical typical uh, first century genealogies don't don't do what's happening here like naming the women and when you have a genealogy the people who are named they're it's a highlight it's a this story this value this character speaks into where i'm going with by telling you this right again melissa's saying why we have to read the genealogy because it's it's on a table of contents go back to that story and so by naming them it's naming their story and the value of the life that they lived and the character the part that they play and so it's it's unprecedented right from this time period um to do that and especially if it's a woman on the outskirts of the community within the genealogy so it's there's a lot happening here and so uh, it would be really interesting <laughs> sorry if you i'm gonna go i'm gonna go on this if you got something immediately on that go jen well one i mean we joked and said this is you know me too movement started apparently much earlier but right. <laughs> with god um but also the fact that you know they weren't supposed to intermarry and it was supposed to be just jewish people and okay be, but because of our you know oppressive acts we kept bringing these outsiders in 
it becomes a story of no God, God was weaving, God was in it, redeeming and reconciling us to one another from the beginning. God is going to make this because it is for the Jewish audience to understand the importance of Jesus for the outsiders. Mm-hmm. Look so, what happens so, when you read the Bible. So, so, okay. So look what happens when you literally read the Bible, but don't read it literally. So what if, you know, we've already got next year's worship series, all planned out. but what if the only way to prepare for the Christmas story is to read all of the stories in this genealogy? I think that's what Matthew would tell you oh, is that you don't, yeah. you don't that, get to read yeah. chapter two until you know the stories of everybody in chapter one. Mm. Yeah. I mean, what if that was a whole year of, of right. that, that's how we read the Bible leading up to Christmas next year is that right like if 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 you're gonna if you're gonna celebrate Christmas this year Matthew would say you don't get to celebrate Christmas until you know all of these stories right right it's a table of contents like I I, because I mean I on I will tell you like even if I read through that genealogy I couldn't tell you every one of those stories you know I know some of these I certainly know the women like this is this is something that um you know we could all probably check those boxes but not some of the others so what yeah so if there's some amazing stories at Matthew's house you don't get because they're going to make references at Matthew's house to crazy uncle Wayne or you know Mm -hmm. um Aunt Ida's you know thing that she did four years ago and you're just supposed to know because that's what would that's what would happen at Matthew's house is you would just know the stories because they've been passed down and the first readers of this would have known the stories but we don't um so it's interesting because Sisters of Souls reading um this book by Kat Armas called Abolita Faith and it's the it's this abolita theology of the of the women the matriarchs who have shaped us who are often unnamed in in the in the Bible but also in our own lives you know the people who are theologians and shaping us and and she calls it almost in kitchen theology as they're cooking and as they're telling and and as they're embodying so it's the embodiment because it comes from a kind of a a latina perspective of theology too and the embodiment of christ within us and and i think that's what this is it's this let me tell you the historical people you know abraham and moses and david of the of the patriarchal lineage of kingship but then let me tell you about the abolita theology of all that kitchen theology and stories that happened that yeah that shaped this moment in time that shaped the coming of of this Jesus who would be for both the kingly lineage but also the the unnamed abuelitas and I just love that going from the kitchen and going back to the rest of the house and kind of trying to ground us back in that the 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 yeah. Advent House of Matthew. The, the whole imagery is like all these pictures on the wall that show the history of the family where everybody gathered uh, for Christmas and, 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 and there being a few folks there who seem like they don't quite belong or they're not quite a part of the family, right? Just in the same way that the women seem kind of out of place in this genealogy. I, I guess my question for us is as we envision this house in modern day, as we think about the folks whose stories we have to tell and the folks gathered, who are the folks that we would identify as these outsiders that are also important to the story today? 
Yeah, because because in in Matthew's house would be the Magi, the, mm-hmm. you know, the first Gentiles that were invited to come and mm-hmm. worship the King. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, who would be today? I mean, I think it depends on who you're asking. Yeah, yeah. I think it, there, there's the personal sense of the the family members we don't talk about. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think if you if you go really personal, I think we're we're talking on a couple different levels. But if you go with with your own personal story, is there there are people in your own lineage who you might know the story, but you know, nobody mentions them, mm-hmm. but that's still part of your lineage. And, and, yeah. you know, I've, I've talked to a number of people who have had those kinds of people in their, their stories that they come over time to realize are, are more, they're more connected to than they are the, the mainline part of their, their family. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I think, I think that's something that we can all wrestle with personally of, yeah. of our own legacy and our own lineage of, of the family members we don't talk about. Um, yeah. we don't talk about Bruno. So, right. <laughs> yeah. Thinking about that, thinking about that, I, I think of a particular family member who, um, because I come from a family where faith was super important. I think about a particular family member who, um, didn't exercise faith in the traditional way or in the way that the rest of the family did. But when I talk to my father about him, he, he talks about him as a completely non-judgmental presence in which you mm-hmm. could live out who you're actually supposed to be, right? So you think about those non-traditional family members, those, those folks that uh, were kind of black sheep, um, but who actually lived out the gospel, who actually lived out who we're supposed to be as followers of Jesus in ways that weren't traditional. So yeah, just, just piggybacking off of that, I think about those folks whose faith don't doesn't look like what we traditionally identify as faith. Yeah. I think it's the stories, whether it's personally or even in our in our history as a people, mm-hmm. it's it's not just the people that are outsiders, it's the stories that we don't like mm-hmm. to tell. The stories of our sin, the stories of another person's oops and ouches, you know, the thing, this, the, you know, the, the stories we like to keep out of our histories because they're too hard and we're not sure how to reconcile them. And we feel it's a mar on us. And so we sugarcoat them or we don't talk about them at all. I think that happens, you know, obviously it happens in our families, but it, it obviously happens historically. It happens in our, in our country, you know, it happens around the world. Well, and 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 I I historically in, in what my husband does working with people in poverty and homelessness, ironically, this is the time of year they get paid attention to that. Everybody Mm. wants to help at Christmas. Um, But come Mm. January, there is no one showing up to volunteer. There's no one giving donations. Um, right. That that there's there are the people in our society that we only want to pay attention to when we can feel good about ourselves for helping them. But there's not the the care um, ongoing to um, that they wouldn't they wouldn't be named as part of any any genealogy. If you were to list, you know, the most important groups of people in central Florida, um, you wouldn't say the homeless. Um, and and yet. Uh, those are often the groups of people who um, are are driving the whole story of Central Florida, for example. So, right, right. Well, and and if we think about what's happening in Matthew two, um, the Holy Family are refugees. Correct. They're they are fleeing uh, institutional violence and political violence, and they're going to another country 
Um, and we have that, you know, that, that's, that's very much you know, part of our world we're living in now too. Um, so, you know, um, they're part of the story as well. And their story is, is valuable. It needs to be part of our lineage. I'd also talk yeah. about children who are insider outsiders, who um, while they are in the inside of our families and, who, and while a lot of our care goes to them at the same time, do not have system in place to 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 advocate for their rights and they start they, they're at the mercy of whoever is responsible for them whoever is their caregiver uh, and we could all i'm sure we could all tell stories about children that we know right that that have needed help uh but have been uh in, in certain ways oppressed by those who are responsible for them and so i think about children you know as, as close to us as, as they can be mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah What's the word for this week? What's the Advent candle word? Is it peace? If last week was hope, I feel like this one's peace. It depends on it. Dep it depends on who you're asking, but usually, <laughs> yeah, right. But I think yeah. we're connecting it with maybe with the word peace and an understanding mm -hmm. of you know what does it mean to be at peace with the fullness of our stories, which is what. You know, I think Jesus was saying, yes, I think Matthew was saying, yes, Jesus is a part of our lineage. And, but Jesus is also for the outsiders. And you can look at your history and know that outsiders have always been there. And can you be at peace about that? Can you be at peace with the, with the breadth of the story and be open and be at peace with the wholeness of the story in order for Jesus to bring us wholeness, I guess, is my is my thought about Matthew's gospel and the story of Advent. And I guess we're going to stop there. That's probably a, that's it's probably a, a good, good, yeah. good piece for everyone to chew on as we are mm -hmm. moving towards um, another week. So um, I hope that you will join us this Sunday in worship as we look at um, Matthew's house. Um, it is an all in Sunday. So if you normally okay. worship online, we would love for you to come join us in person. We'll celebrate communion together um, and uh, go ahead. And at 11.15, we're yes. all together for confirmation. Confirmation. Yes. Yeah, it's an exciting Sunday. Where we're bringing how many 20 plus young 20 people plus into our family, into the same right. family. And they need all their abuelas. They need all their grandmothers, grandparents, not just in their personal family lineage, but in St. Luke's lineage, all their aunts and uncles to come and be there to celebrate them. So join us at 1115 mm -hmm. in the sanctuary. We're going to have one service at 1115 for confirmation. It's a beautiful service. Yeah. It's a great week to either stay for a second service or come at 1115, even if you come normally at 930 to celebrate those, those kiddos. We would right. love to run out of room. So. Let's be all in for young people publicly proclaiming Jesus Christ as their savior and saying, yes. I want to be a part of this church. Let's be all yes. in for that. I can't that, do that. I think so. I think that that seems, that That's seems a like good. a reasonable ask. Amen. Perfect, <laughs> yeah. perfect Amen. summation to what it means to have Matthew's genealogy as our birth narrative. Yeah. All right, right. Blessings. Blessings, y'all.